If you have your Bibles, I will go ahead and uh, be respectful of your time. Uh, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Amen. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Uh, give honor to our worship team for doing such a wonderful job. I love the songs, love the music. So anointed. Um, thank God for the, the, uh, the tech team, the um, music, the media team. There we go. Sister Anna back there and my brother. And, amen. Boy, have we needed them during COVID. You know, without live stream, a lot of times we wouldn't have been ministering. So uh, give honor to, to them. But in Mark chapter 1, uh, starting with verse, let's do 35, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. We need to have a prayer closet. We need to have that personal time with the Lord. Amen. But watch this. And he said unto them, let us go. We can't stay by ourselves. There's a world that needs us. There's a world that needs the gospel. And I'm thankful that Jesus didn't stay secluded in a solitary place. But he said, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and cast out devils. And then in verse 40, this is where we're going to focus on. There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, saying unto him, if thou will. Thou can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him. And saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And I will quote John chapter 14 and verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Amen. He is our God. He is our Savior. He's our healer, our way maker. He's whatever it is we need Him to be. I am that I am. But He is also a comforter. It's in His nature to comfort us. Amen. And so I want to preach with the help of the Lord tonight about the ministry of presence the ministry of presence Lord we love you we thank you for your word God Lord let your ministering spirit sweep across this sanctuary tonight I feel it right now Lord have your will Lord thy will be done dear God as we seek your face tonight Lord I pray that you would touch, you would heal, you would mend, and God, you would comfort. Help us to decrease so that you may increase, Lord. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. You may be seated tonight if you'd like. Amen. So, praise God. The ministry of presence. Okay, I wanted to make sure that they had it on the board so you didn't think I was talking about some wrapped up gift. The ministry of presence, which it is the greatest gift that we have. We have hope because of his presence. Amen. Praise God. But after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, what has been called the Great Commission, he is speaking to his uh, disciples for the final time. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, he tells them, Go ye therefore, go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What is that wonderful name? Jesus. Amen. Praise God. When you read the book of Acts, you will see that they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ multiple times. And so um, either the disciples misunderstood and they were wrong, or Jesus is, in fact, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. But I'm not going to focus on that tonight. He says, Go ye therefore, and then in verse 20, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And this, this last sentence, according to the Gospel of Matthew, this is the final words of our Lord to his people. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's a word we can hold on to tonight. As you go out there and you spread this good news and you spread the gospel and you start and you build the church, as you are ever present in the world, He lets them know, I am with you always. I will be present with you. Praise God. I'm thankful for His presence here tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I, I remember very distinctly when God first called me to, to preach the gospel. I never thought I would be a preacher. That's a story for another time. Uh, so it surprised me. And um, so it, something changed in me. And I sold out. I, I bought in. I, I, I purchased that field with everything I had to get the treasure. Amen. And... Um, I would let my pastor know uh, whatever I can do for you. I'm available. I got two hands and a partially good back, I like to say. And so uh, whatever I can do, I just made sure he knew I'm available for you. And so normally he would just say, well, just continue to study and teach your Bible studies and, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. One Sunday night, I am in the prayer room at the church. I'm praying. I have high anticipation for the service that night. I'm filled with excitement. I just love going to church. Amen. I come to church with an attitude of expectancy. I just believe and expect anything can happen in a church service. Amen. But all the anticipation and excitement that I had for that night was soon stripped away. 
my pastor comes walking in the prayer room. He walks directly up to me, and we have a conversation I was not prepared for. He said, there is a precious lady in the church whose brother has, is in the hospital. He's on life support, and he is passing away. This is all unexpected. He said, church is beginning in five minutes. I have no one to cover for me. I have to preach. And then came the question, will you go and be with the family? Well, my heart sank in my chest, probably skipped a beat. My face turned beet red. And as much as I wanted to help, the best I could, I said, well, pastor, I, I would love to go, but what do I do? What do I say? I was not prepared for this situation. Well, my pastor in his wisdom, he says this. You don't have to say anything. You just go and be there for them. Because of the gravity of the situation, well, it just, yeah, well, okay, it sounds good, but I'm still worried about this. And so I didn't really sink in yet. And so I find myself in the hospital room, this small little hospital room, and I'm backed into the corner as the family stands around the bed. Uh, and this is way before COVID-19. And so um, the family staying before, standing around the bed as their loved one is slowly drifting away. I'm in the corner uh, just with all the inexperience and the timidity I had. I'm whispering a prayer softly and God be with them. Lord, let them feel your love right now, Jesus. Let there be peace that passeth all understanding, God. And Lord, help them, Jesus. And I'm just praying the best that I know how. As he drifts away. And in that moment, I felt that I failed that family. I felt that I let them down. That if someone that was there with more experience, someone that had a little more tenacity or maybe even a little more faith, things may have been different. And so I, inside I'm beating myself up and when it became time for us to leave, I was surprised when the family started one by one shaking my hand and hugging my neck and just thanking me. And in my mind I'm stubborn, you see, my wife will tell you. Why are you thanking me? I didn't do anything. I've let you down. I, I failed you. And then through my stubbornness, I was able to hear what they were thanking me for. And they were simply saying, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. For putting forth the effort. I know this must be difficult for you. And I learned then, I remembered what my pastor told me in the prayer room just an hour before. I learned at an early time in my ministry, and I pray I never forget this lesson. That when we find ourselves in the tragedies of life, people, they're in the darkest hours of their life. And, and it doesn't seem like there's any words I can conjure up that could help in that moment. There, you see, there's times when you find yourself in situations where any word or sentence you could put together would just seem so hollow. 
I learned that when there are no words to say that there is strength, uh, there is comfort, and there is love in your presence. Uh, your presence alone will bring strength and comfort and love. And I can't tell you how many times I have experienced this in my life. I remember one time I'm at an altar. It was a Wednesday night service, but I had some serious things going on in my life. And I was the first one to the altar. And I was just pouring out tears on the, on the carpet of the altar. And I'm asking God to move in my life. Lord, I need a touch from you. I felt like Jacob in that moment. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I need a move from you, God. And then I felt the touch, Pastor, on my shoulder. And in that moment, I felt peace. I felt joy. I felt everything I was looking for. And it's like God had sent an angel, or perhaps God Himself had stepped down from heaven and touched the back of my shoulder. But when I looked around, it wasn't God. It was just a brother in the Lord. That he saw someone he loved who was desperate, who was in need, who was hurting. And when he laid his hand on my shoulder, I felt the love, the strength, and the comfort I so desperately needed. What I'm trying to say is we may not all be called to pastor a church. We may not all call, be called to evangelize across the world. But every one of us in this place has the ministry of presence. There's lost loved ones. There's family members. There's a broken world out there we come in contact with every day. And they need the ministry of your presence. They need to know you're here for them. They need to know there's a church in Temple, Texas that loves them that's interceding on their behalf in a lost world a dark world they need to know there is a God that loves them there is a way there is hope there is truth in the middle of hopeless situations there is hope for you They need to know that we love them. They need the ministry of your presence. We are the body of Christ. And I love how Paul so adequately describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse uh, 25. He says, there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. There should be no division in the body that God has created to be in unity. The body He created. There should be no division. There should be no schism. But we should have the same care for one another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or whether one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. And he says, ye are the bodies of Christ and members in particular. Not somebody else, but you. In other words, if someone's weeping over here, they're not meant to weep alone. If someone's rejoicing over here, they're not meant to rejoice alone. Whether we're weeping or we're rejoicing, we're meant to do it together. We're meant to love each other. We're meant to be together. Because when our bodies are healthy, God's creation is so beautiful. And when we take time to observe His creation, you see things. When God's 
when our bodies are healthy, then they do not attack themselves, they heal themselves. We have an immune system. We have white blood cells flowing through our veins. And those bloods, those white blood cells, they're, they're looking for an infirmity. They're, they're looking for a wound. They're looking for an infection in the body. And when they find that infirmity, they don't blast them all over Facebook. They don't drag them down the streets of social media. They don't gossip about them behind their back when church is over. No, they rally together in unity. And they run and they minister to that need. They run and they lift up the feeble hands. And they say, we're here for you. You're not by yourself. We love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. I need you and you need me. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 10, we said it the other night, but I'm going to say it again. In verse 24, he says, let us consider one another. That's not famous in the world. In the narcissistic society we live in. The iPhone, the selfie, the my this and that. But he said, let us consider one another. To provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. This scripture tells me by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, then we are exhorting one another. That means if all we do is just gather together, Brother R.T., your presence strengthens me. Your presence gives me strength. You encourage me by being here tonight. By drawing together our presence ministers to each other. Case in point, 2020, there was no church. There was no church in the building. I, as a minister, I was preaching a lot to cameras and phones and live streams and empty sanctuaries. Although... They could see me. I could not see them. And for some reason, some reason, you know how you've seen me preach. I would preach with the same tenacity, but yet I'd be more weary. Physically, mentally exhausted, preaching to an empty sanctuary than I ever did to a full one. It's because no one was there for me to, to be encouraged by. There was no spirits working together. You encouraged me with your presence. I didn't know if what was happening on the other side of that phone. We need each other. And not only do we need each other, but there is a world out there. A lost world that needs us. And Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savior, wherewith shall it be salted? If it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. He says, ye are the light of the world. And a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick 
and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Can I tell you, we were never meant to hold this to ourselves. We were never meant to be by ourselves. We have an obligation to go ye therefore and spread the gospel, the good news to a lost world. We have an obligation to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He did not give us the option. He says you are the light and you are the salt. They need to know that there is an apostolic Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost and fire church in Temple, Texas. Uh, that there is hope uh, in this world. His name is Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus he tells his disciples, He says, Upon this rock uh, I shall build my church. My church. And he says the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. When you get a little into the Greek there, it's not hard. The word gate literally means a gate. That's my kind of study. But here's the thing. A gate has never attacked anyone. It's a defense mechanism. It's something you build up around something to try to protect something, to keep people from coming in and out. It's a gate. And so from the beginning, Jesus never postured His church in the defensive position. We were in an offensive posture. We're meant to be the aggressors. We're meant to storm the gates of hell. We're meant to show up and to show out and let all of hell know that we are here. Can I tell you, God knows that we're here, but I want hell to know that we're here. I want hell to know that we gathered here tonight. I want hell to know that we're not backing down. We're not shutting the doors. We're going to storm the gates of hell. We're going to tear down every stronghold. We're going to baptize in the name of Jesus. We're going to stand on the Word of God. When it's all said and done, I want hell to know I was here. I want hell to know my name, Pastor. Hallelujah. And I just believe this. If we truly love God, this is why this is the, this is the order of things. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, thy soul, thy mind. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor. That I believe that if we love God, we truly love God, then we love what God loves. What does He love? What does God love? God so loved the world. God doesn't, there's nothing in this world He loves, He doesn't love more than a soul. And so for us, when we are the church, and we reach out 
And we try to pull everything, every lost soul. We try to reach out and witness to every soul. And we reach out to every broken heart. And we let them know about Jesus. We tell them what the gospel says. We give them the good news by us reaching out and being the church. We're simultaneously reaching up and pulling down the heartstrings of God. If we love God, we love what God loves. I've loved what pastors told me this whole week. Uh, We may not have a whole crowd show up on a Monday or a Tuesday, but he said, if we just change one soul, if we just change one family, one life, uh, can I tell you nothing more pleases God? Heaven's rejoicing when one sinner repents. Uh, God forbid that heaven's rejoicing and we're sitting here bitter, angry, quiet. Hallelujah. It's not enough to simply acknowledge the need. We're good at that. The world can acknowledge the need. They need the answer. When he tells us the parable of the Good Samaritan, when that man was lying half dead on Jericho Road, clinging to life, can I tell you, he did not just need the acknowledgement of a lofty priest or a narcissistic Levite. No, that wasn't going to help him any at all. He needed the presence of a compassionate Samaritan. He needed the presence of somebody that says, I see a brother in need. He may not look like me. He may not talk like me. But oh, I'm going to lay my stuff to the side and I'm going to run and minister to this need. He needed the presence of a compassionate Samaritan. And we learn in that parable that loving your neighbor is not a matter of proximity. It's not who you sit next to or who you live next to. It's a matter of opportunity to see a need. We like to look for titles. We like to look for positions. We don't need to look for titles or positions. You look for a need and then you serve. You try to fulfill that need. God will do the exalting if we'll humble ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Loving your neighbor is not a matter of proximity, it's opportunity. But here it is. It cost that Samaritan something. Loving your neighbor is not always convenient. Most of the time it's inconvenient. It cost that Samaritan time and resources. But he saved a man's life. God, if it takes my time, my talents, and my treasure, but it will save a life. It will save a soul, Lord. I am your coin, and you spend me however you feel best. God's not a wasteful spender. And if we will allow ourselves to be his coin, God will spend you the best he feels will give him the best return. What we don't understand makes perfect sense to God. I was in revival up near the Durango, Colorado area 
And uh, I was having dinner, my wife and I, with the assistant pastor. And he began to explain to me, tell me about his bout with COVID-19. And uh, this was about a year or so after COVID had, had already been out. And he was an older man, and there were some underlying uh, health conditions. And so he had a tough time, and uh, he, nearly, he nearly died. And he was in the hospital for a while, and things were progressively getting worse. And so his words were, they just finally sent me home to hope for the best he wanted to go home he was tired of being in the hospital and so as he goes home uh, uh, he's incapacitated where um, his wife has to turn him over in his bed on his side just to help him breathe better he couldn't do it on his own and uh, he couldn't walk he, his only way around the house his wife would wheel him in a wheelchair and uh, that's just the way he got around he, he said I couldn't even pray for myself didn't have enough strength he said it was months since I could pray for myself it had been months since I have spoken tongues and more than just the physical infirmities he began talking about the the, the psychological the mental the spiritual attacks he was facing he, he he described it as the walls closing in on him and and a heavy dark cloak of of fear and uh, depression began to settle on top of his mind and everything was dark and grim and it seemed like all was lost he said I was dying and then one day he said I'm sitting in my wheelchair looking out my living room window at the street that I have seen a thousand times when suddenly one by one vehicles began to drive by my house he said they were honking their horns and they were holding their signs and they were yelling, we love you, we're here for you, we're, we're praying for you, you're, you're not by yourself. This man's precious church family circled the entire block, filled the entire block he lived on. And he said they didn't drive by not once, but twice they drove by honking their horns, holding up their signs. And can I tell you, these are his words, not mine. He said, in that moment, he said the love of God rushed into that room like never before. And he said, oh, I just began to lift up my hands for the first time in months. And he said, I began to pray and within a few moments uh, he said I was speaking in tongues uh, can I tell you he may not have felt their touch uh, but he felt uh, their presence uh, because somebody was willing to put forth the effort and say you're not by yourself I'm here for you I'm praying for you I'm interceding for you I said, well, when did you get healed? He said, that night my body was healed. That's the ministry of presence. That's what we do for each other. How much more the presence of the Almighty God. Can I tell you, we are here tonight, and I'm thankful for every fiber in my being that God does not neglect the ministry of presence he said lo I am with you always 
even to the end. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. We're here tonight. We can shout and we can rejoice and we can worship about eternal salvation tonight because God does not neglect the ministry of presence because He stepped down from the splendors of glory, robed Himself in the flesh, walked that road to Calvary, died on that cross for you and me so He could be buried and rise again on the third day and in that upper room he could pour out his spirit upon all flesh he did that for me and you so we could have his spirit inside of us hallelujah hallelujah all throughout the bible you can see examples of ministry of presence you just pick it up and you'll see it anywhere and Jesus would show his disciples on a few occasions I think we need to look at tonight Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 the Bible says the same day when the even was come he saith unto them let us pass over unto the other side he gave them no explanation just direction God does not have to explain himself to me. Most of the time, he will not explain himself. But he will give you direction. And that's where your faith steps in and you just follow. You believe. You obey. The disciples had no clue why they're getting in that ship and sailing across the Sea of Galilee to Decapolis. Along the way, we know the story very well. <clears throat> There's a storm that comes in, a raging storm, and the disciples are afraid for their lives. We're going to die because of this trip. We're going to die because of this storm. And they go and they wake Jesus up in the hinder part of the ship, and Jesus stands up, and with just a few words, peace be still. He does something that no man has ever done. He calmed the raging sea with just a few words. The storm ceased to be because of his words. And even today, 2,000 years later, man can hardly even accurately predict what the storm is going to do, much less, much less hinder or deter it. With his word... He calls the storm. I'm thankful that Jesus is with us in our storm. But they find the reason for their journey when they get to the other side. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 5, the very next chapter, verse 1. 
They came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his indwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And if we use empathy which we need. Studies are showing empathy is falling away. It's disappearing from our lives. Empathy is the capacity to place yourselves in one's shoes. If we use empathy, it's verse 5 that troubles me the most. Always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Oh, I wish... I could just die. There's nobody to help me. The hurt, the pain is too much. He would cry. But oh, as his cry rippled across the waves of Galilee, there was a man on the other side named Jesus who heard the cry of the lost. He heard the cry of the lost. We, it's more convenient to numb our ears to the cry of the lost. But if you open them up, you'll hear the cry of the lost every day. You don't have to go to Africa or South America to some mission field. The cry of the lost is every day. We walk past them every day. And Jesus showed his disciples, we're going to do something about this. There's a man on the other side and he's broken. He needs me. A text message or a prayer emoji won't be good enough. He needs my presence. And Jesus showed his disciples, I'm willing to go through a storm, an inconvenience to go and minister to that need. In verse 6, it says, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. Can I tell you, I don't know what he saw. I don't know what he felt in that moment. But when he got a hold of Jesus, when his eyes were upon Jesus, not even a legion of demons could keep that man from running to the feet of the one that said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to set at liberty those that are bruised. He said, that's me. That's me. He came here for me. And with just a few words, Jesus cast out a whole legion of demons. With just a few words. It's the ministry of presence. Would you stand with me? Tonight, worship team, if you'd come, I'd be grateful. God does not neglect the ministry of presence. From the Garden of Eden to the tabernacle in the wilderness to the temple in Jerusalem to the upper room, His desire has always been to be with His people. To dwell among his people. Now I know how it is. I've lived long enough. 
and I'm just going to speak to the church right now, if that's okay. We put on a front. We look good. We got it all together. I, I don't want anyone to know I'm struggling. I don't want anyone to know that I'm having some difficulties right now. Because God forbid, if they see my weakness, they may stab me in the back. They may throw it all over Facebook. But you're in a safe place tonight. This is the body of Christ. This is His church. Gone are the facades. And I know how ministry is. Jesus was on the cross and He said, I thirst. And when they thrust His side with the spear, water began to flow out. Sometimes ministry means giving when you feel you have nothing to give. I'm tired. I'm weary. But you have a comforter here tonight. You have a comforter here tonight. That leopard man runs up to Jesus. If you can throw up Mark chapter 1 verse 40 again. Let's read it again. Kneeling down to him, if thou will, Jesus, thou can make me whole. He must have heard about the miracles. Maybe he's seen a few. I don't know, but he knew Jesus was his answer. You know, leprosy was a, is a horrific disease. We don't have to get into the physical ailments about it. But what may be worse is the spiritual, the mental, when you're forced to be separated from everyone else. Now, I understand the Old Testament, the Bible tells them to be separated till they're cleansed again, quarantined. But it does not say you treat them like dirt or trash. People would throw stones at lepers. Stay away from me, you leper. I don't want anything to do with you. And they treat them like dirt. And when you read Luke's account of this same story, the Bible says that he was full of leprosy. Which means that he's had this disease a long time, Pastor. Means he's been secluded for a long time. He's been by himself for a long time. And custom was the lepers were to stay at least six feet away. But what does the Bible say again? Throw it up, please. Jesus, if thou will, you can make me whole. The Bible says that Jesus put forth his hand. He reached out his hand. I don't know one man whose arm length is six feet long. Which tells me that this leopard got a little closer to Jesus than he should have. That perhaps he broke protocol because he was desperate. And desperate people, they just make a way. He got a little closer to Jesus than he should have. But yet he stayed far enough away where he was not touching him. 
He said, Jesus, I'll leave it up to you. If thou will, you can make me clean. Here's the beauty. Here's the beautiful part. Jesus calmed the storm with just a few words. He cast out a legion of demons with just a few words. And Jesus could have healed this man's leprosy with just a few words. But Jesus said, I'm not just going to heal you with a word. But I'm going to comfort you with a touch. You have a comforting God here tonight. You let Him be your God. You let Him be your Savior. You let Him be your weight maker. But let Him be your comforter here tonight. Some of you are broken on the inside. You're standing up on the out, but you're bending down on the inside. And this is what I feel God wants to do. He wants to wrap His arms around you right now. He wants to comfort you. Let God love on you for a little while. I've been there. I've needed His touch in my life. God, right now, more than anything, I just need to feel Your touch. And oh, when you get touched by the Lord. Hallelujah. As they begin to sing right now, lift up your hands. Don't leave this house without letting God comfort you. Come on, there's peace that passes all understanding. Peter said it's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your comforting touch tonight. Hallelujah. right now as the body of Christ why don't you lay your hand on somebody right now 
You don't know what they're going through. You pray for them and they'll pray for you. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what they're going to go through tomorrow. But oh, there's a comforting touch in the ministry of your presence. And here's the beauty. When we gather together with the ministry of our presence, He said where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. As we gather together, His presence will fall. His presence will fall. It's a promise. It's a promise. Hallelujah.